0: Welcome to another episode of the Stephen Hayes Show. And as always, I hope you were able to spend quality time with family and friends. And I hope you were able to take some time to yourself and get some work done, whether that be getting some work done around the house, whether that be getting some work done in the office or simply sitting on your butt doing nothing. I hope you were able to accomplish that. A lot to get into. Man, where do we start? We got NFL, crazy week of football, the NBA with their in-season tournament. It's a lot to get into. Where do we start? We'll start with the NBA. Uh, The Los Angeles Lakers was crowned the first NBA in-season tournament champion. It was a great game. Um, They took on the Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers was playing lights out. I like the tournament. I think it's some things that can change, but all in all, I think the tournament is fine. I do. I think especially for the younger players that are coming into the league and establishing themselves, the younger teams, I think this is a great motivational booster for their season. And, you know, even if things don't play out after 82 games the way they wanted it to, this is something they can look back on and improve on and go from there. So Lakers, like I said, raising, well, apparently they're going to raise a banner for the in-season tournament. I see a lot of mixed reviews about that. I don't care about that, but it was a good thing. LeBron James was the in-season tournament MVP, and I just don't know... All in all, how the Lakers season will end. But, you know, they had a a hell of a showing. It was just a a, pretty much a veteran team versus a young team. You know, it was a good game, though. It was a back and forth uh, battle. And they basically trapped Tyrese Halliburton all game, blitzed him at every point they could to get the ball out of his hands and force him to make, you know, unexpected decisions. It's a young team. I think they'll be fine. I really do. I think they'll be fine. They should be contending for years to come within the next, I would say, year or two. I respect them wholeheartedly now, but... You know, the media are prisoners of the moment. So, you know, they'll have to put some respect on their name for sure. Again, Anthony Davis played lights out. Oh my gosh. Uh, 41 points, 20 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. He played lights out. Uh, Like I say, LeBron James was the in season tournament champion 24 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. He just did everything. And to say the Lakers only got 30 points off the bench because they only got. Scoring out of Austin Reeves, who had 28 points off the bench. Absolutely insane, and Christie added two points. But again, Austin Reeves was—you know—nobody else scored on the Lakers bench, which is which is crazy. That's actually insane. But the Pacers, the Pacers will be fine. Like I said, just them learning this style, learning how teams will come at them, and they're not used to that style of play. They're not used to people defending them like that. It'll be fine. I do like this in-season tournament. I think it's something that'll last. I think it's something that'll stay. Again, I don't see why you get rid of it. Adam Silver has proven time and time again to be somewhat of a genius when it comes to these things so shout out to him shout out to the NBA as a whole for getting this thing done I want to touch on something we're sticking with the NBA here I want to touch on something that's bothering me the Detroit Pistons the Detroit Pistons are I think they've lost 21 straight games if 20 or 21 if I'm not mistaken they're in a struggle huge they're they're on a struggle bus and a lot of things have been made about they're the worst team clearly they've lost 20 straight games i've seen the media talk about it in in social media standpoint as far as posting it and you know the pistons are on the wrong side of history that's clear and obvious they're 2 and 20 or 21 or something like that 2 and 21 but i've also noticed how they pick and choose and this is not me coming as like a bitter person like none of that the detroit pistons have lost 20 straight games the san antonio spurs have lost 17 straight games. The San Antonio Spurs record is 3-19, and the Pistons are 2-21. If the Pistons are making history for losing like 15 games or something like that in a row or something like that, I'm really trying to figure out where the Spurs falling and why it's not talked about. And that's the thing that I want to make sure that people understand. Like, you're always going to see what's put in your face. It's unfair to me to, you know, get into it like that with the Pistons but not talk about it on the other side with the Spurs. And I wholeheartedly get it. It's it's media. It's what it is. Whatever. I think the Pistons have a very talented team. I just don't know if they have the right mix, mixture of players to create a good recipe. I just don't. I don't know if they have the best mixture of players to create a good recipe. We'll see how things shape up and play out, but I, I just don't know if they do. Now, On the flip side of that, looking at a team like the Golden State Warriors, I feel like the Golden State Warriors, in my personal opinion, have the experience there. Um, Even the younger players, the Moody's, the Kamingas, even the ones that they drafted. I think the Warriors have a very, very good team, but I think it's a little bit of stubbornness there when it comes to how they're rotating their players. Obviously, that falls on Steve Kerr, but how they're rotating players, how they are utilizing their roster and maybe, I don't know, not getting the best out of what they can. They're in a struggle. Steph is averaging almost 30 a game. It's almost feeling like you don't want to see him waste any time, any games, because we don't know how long they have. But I would like to see the Warriors make some changes. I just don't know where those changes go. But I would definitely like to see them make some changes. Now, the interesting part about the Warriors are they're currently 11th in the West. Uh, They sit at 10 and 12. But when you look at the standings, when you look at the way things are set up, Minnesota's number one at 17 and five. Warriors are seven games back from the top spot. The Western Conference is always crowded. We know that. The Western Conference is always crowded. Then you got OKC at number two at 15 and seven. And then the Mavericks at 14 and eight. Denver at 15 and nine. uh, Sacramento at 13 and eight. Lakers at 14 and nine. Houston at 11 and nine. Clippers at 12 and 10. Suns at number nine at 12 and 10. And then the Pelicans number... 10 at 13 and 11. It's a crowded, 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 crowded area. I think the Warriors will be fine, but I think you have to give them the, we'll figure it out. We're a championship team. We got a championship. Yes. But I also think you got to take some of the pressure off the vets as far as giving shouldering the load all the time and letting these young guys cook, letting these young dudes come in here and then act utilizing that last roster spot for a big man. I'm sorry. You have to at this point. And I get it. It's hard to just come in there and fit into the warrior system. But I think you have to, I think you have to, I think you have to utilize it. I think you have to just, you know, pay attention to where your struggles lie. And obviously turnovers is a huge deficit for the team, but rebounding, you know, and then the strength in numbers and all I get that and I love it and I've always been a fan of it. I will always be a fan of it. But I also feel like, you know, you're doing a disservice to your vets if you don't utilize the entire roster the way you should in order for your vets to Like I said, take some nights off, so to speak. Like, not Steph having to come in and play like it's a playoff game every single time. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, I just want to see a little bit of change in that. And hopefully, from that moment on, things will be different. Again, it's a huge, 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 huge battle right now with with them trying to figure out. But again, you don't have anybody on your roster. Dario Saric is 6'10". That's the tallest person on your roster. And that's fine, but, you know size matters when it comes to what you're trying to do. Teams have now caught up to the warrior schemes and what they do and how they play and all that. Like teams have now caught up to that. Teams have gotten better. Teams have improved. So you have to kind of shift and you have to pivot along with it. That's the one thing that I want to see that I feel like they're missing opportunities to do. But again, I'm on the outside looking in, whatever. I get it. I'm just speaking my piece here. Again, I feel they'll be fine. But going up against some of these powerhouses, these stacked teams like the Phoenix Suns with KD, Booker, and Beal, and And going up against um, the Clippers with Kawhi, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. And you got LeBron and AD, and you got Joker and Jamal Murray, Embiid, Tyrese Maxey. Like, these are teams—you got De'Aaron Fox and uh, Sabonis and Malik Monk and— you know, these are teams that you're going to really see that are challenging you. Then you got the younger teams with the the OKC, with Josh Giddeys and the Chet Homerooms and the Shea Gillis Alexanders. And then you got, you know, they're not looking as good right now, but you got the Pelicans. You got the Portland Trailblazers. You know, all these teams are coming at you. Right. And you have to be prepared. It's Minnesota Timberwolves with Carlton Towns and Anthony Edwards, like Rudy Gobert, like these teams are positioning themselves to knock you out. That's the whole goal of what they do. So I just want to see them capitalize on some opportunities. I want to see them, you know, change some things up. I want to see Wiggins and Clay, uh shoot at a more efficient clip with a higher field goal percentage and, and, you know, get things done. That's just where I want to, you know, leave it at. But I just had to get that off my chest for the NBA. Shifting gears here to the NFL. Oh my goodness, what a week, what a week, what a week. Week 14 was a doozy. I told you it was going to be some must-watch games. I told you it was going to be some interesting games. I told you if teams weren't careful, they would miss out on some opportunities. And boy, did they ever. All around, from the Thursday night game starting off week 14, to, you know, to every game leading into Sunday, to the Monday night games, all these games and all these missed opportunities. The Pittsburgh Steelers losing to the New England Patriots. The Detroit Lions losing to the Chicago Bears. The Atlanta Falcons losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Colts losing to the Bengals. The Jaguars losing to the Browns. The Texans losing to the Jets. It's just so many teams, you know, that missed opportunity. The the Chiefs losing to the Bills. (laughs) It's just so many teams. Philly losing to Dallas. Packers losing to the Giants. And of course, the Dolphins losing to the Titans. Oh my goodness. So let's dive into this thing. We'll go wide range here. So the standings now currently sit Miami 9-4. This is how it plays out in the AFC. Baltimore is at 10-3. They're top. Miami 9-4. Kansas City 8-5. They're number 3. Jacksonville 8-5. They're number 4. Browns 8-5. Number 5. Steelers 7-6. Colts 7 and 6, Texans 7 and 6, Broncos 7 and 6, Bengals 7 and 6, Buffalo Bills 7 and 6. Okay, again. So you have spots 6 through 11 in the AFC, spots 6 through 11 in the AFC. All 7 and 6 with all still holding on to the chances of making the playoffs. Absolutely insane. Then you go to the NFC. Now you have the 49ers sitting at 10 and 3. The Cowboys sitting at 10 and 3. The Eagles sitting at 10 and 3. The Lions sitting at 9 and 4. The Vikings sitting at 7 and 6. The Buccaneers sitting at uh, 6 and 7. The Packers sitting at 6 and 7. The Rams sitting at 6 and 7. The Seahawks sitting at 6 and 7. Falcons at 6 and 7. The Saints at 6 and 7. Spots 1 2 3 4 5 Six. It's six teams on the NFC side that are six and seven. Again, a lot of missed opportunities here. A lot of missed things. We'll start with the big game, which was the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. It just didn't work out well. And you could tell, like you could tell Dallas was prepared for this game. You could tell Dallas wanted this game. You could tell that no matter what, Dallas wanted to get this win, especially at the crib. And they wanted revenge. And, you know, I say revenge, I hate the word revenge games when it's a playoff game that a team lost and they get the chance to redeem themselves in the regular season. But no, this was a revenge game because Dallas just played Philly not too long ago and Philly beat them. So now you go and you come to the crib, Dallas won 33 to 13. Dak Prescott played really good football, 24-39, 271 yards, two touchdowns in the air. It was an all-around good game. Not too much Not too crazy Jalen Hurts 18 for 27 197 yards He didn't have a touchdown Or an interception You know They didn't get nothing going either way. A.J. Brown had 94 yards. Devontae Smith had 73 yards. He also had a very untimely fumble. It was rough to see that. But Jalen Hurts had a fumble. A.J. Brown had a fumble. Devontae Smith had a fumble. Three fumbles total. Dak Prescott did have a fumble. But again, the Eagles looked all out of sorts. And it was interesting to see. This was a big game for them because obviously it shifts things because now it's crazy at 10-3 and the Eagles are in the wild card because Dallas is on top of the division right now because they split the regular season. Um. And we'll see how that all comes down to it. But, you know, Dallas is taking the control of that. Eagles sitting at 10-3 and are in the wildcard spot. And, you know, it was just one of those games that you just kind of sit there. It was one of those weeks that you just kind of sit there and scratch your head. Now you look at the rest of the NFC picture. You look at these teams. You look at these standings. So you got... The Cowboys, let's, before we get to the Cowboys, let's just run down the Eagles' remaining schedule because the Eagles' remaining schedule is going to tell the story of, you know, how they finished. Now, they could go 4-0 easily, you know, according to paperwork. So you got Seahawks, you're on the road, you play Monday Night Football against the Seahawks, and then you're at the crib for the next two. You got the Giants coming in, you got the Cardinals coming in, then you go to the New York Giants, uh, you go to MetLife. First of all, Giants coming off a sensational win against the Packers. Tommy DeVito, forget about it. I love everything about the momentum and everything that Tom, like the Giants had with that kid. Like, it was cool. Even though I'm a huge Packer fan, like, Packers have my heart, but I'm unbiased right now. I haven't always been, but I'm unbiased right now. The Eagles have, they could easily go 4-0. Well, you know, no question. They could easily go 4-0. But when you flip it and when you go to the Cowboys side, Cowboys have a little bit of a tougher test. They got the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions and the the Washington Commanders. They could easily go 2 and 2. They could go 3 and 1. They could go 1 and 3. It is is you know I don't expect them to go and 4. I don't expect them to go 1 and 3. But I think depending on what the Eagles do and the 49ers do, you know, things could really get interesting. Um the 49ers last four. They got the Cardinals. They have the Ravens, which is going to be a huge game. Uh they have the Washington Commanders and they have the Rams. All these teams, all these games are going to matter. The Lions, I said it from the jump when the Lions had, before they started their six-game stretch, when I talked about what the Lions had to do against the Saints, they came out, they escaped the win out of that When They had the game in control, but they escaped the win. They won 33-28. Then they came to Chicago, and I said, Chicago was looking to play spoiler, and they are also looking to get revenge against the Lions, and that's what they did. They won 28-13. Now you got Denver that you got to play, even though you're at the crib, but Denver is on a hot streak. No matter if they've lost recently, they they won their last game against the Chargers, but they're still on a hot streak. So you got Denver coming into Detroit. Then you got to go to Minnesota. Then you have to go to Dallas, which is going to be absolutely tough to play. And then you come back to the crib to play Minnesota. Lions could easily go two and two in their last four. They can go one and three. I don't expect them to go on four, but the Lions, they could go three and one. The Lions have to be careful. But this is, you know. Still a team figuring out how to operate in this position, how to win, you know, how to maintain. So I'm not too work, you know, worried about them. But the way these standings are right now, and the way things are shaping up to be, again, the Packers, you know, missed an opportunity, kind of messed up their playoff momentum. But again, we'll, you know, I felt like. This was a game they could have won, but too many mental mistakes, too many errors on their side. It just wasn't destined for them to win. I personally did not like the way they rushed down the score. Uh, Saquon Barkley fumbled the ball. I feel like you should have bled the clock a little bit more. But again, you know, who knows? It was a very good game. It really was. It was an exciting game to watch. It was a very good game. On the New York Giants side, Tommy DeVito, forget about it, you know, amazing, amazing play. He just played solid football. Uh, did numbers What not outstanding. 17 for 21, 158 yards, one touchdown. He had 71 rushing yards on 10 carries. That's your quarterback doing that, which is insane. And then he got to his receivers, right? Uh, Wondell Robinson had 79. Isaiah Hodgins had 22. But it was the timely throws. That's what I mean when I say he got to his receivers. It was the timely throws that mattered. And again, Tommy DeVito, forget about it. He did his thing. And the Giants have a, a very big problem. But in my opinion, it's a good problem to have. DeVito is not the starting quarterback. He's the backup. Daniel Jones got hurt. You pay Daniel Jones a lot of money, you know, to start the season. And um, you expect Daniel uh, Jones to be your quarterback for the foreseeable future. Tommy DeVito is not in a position to necessarily go to another team and, and win. I wouldn't say that. But it's a good Problem to have if you're the New York Giants. You have a solid backup who's getting some reps, who's getting some experience. The Giants, as crazy as this may sound and as crazy as it may seem, the Giants are not completely, I'm not saying, you know, they'll make it, but they're not completely, they're 5 and 8. They're not completely out of the playoff picture. They still have an opportunity to make the playoffs. So we'll see how that plays out. And again, when you look at the way things are shaping out, the Lions, now need to you know win their next two to take the nfc north and again people are mad that they're even in a position like that but again they're still figuring out how to win they're still figuring out how to maintain in this position we're in week 14 going into week 15 and the lions have only lost four games this is a team who went 0 16 at one point come on now like what are we doing so you know the momentum started last year for them And you got to continue it, but you know, it's not, it's no tripping on that. Jared Goff didn't have a great game. 20 for 35, 161 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Justin Fields had a solid game, 19 for 33, 223 yards, one touchdown. Uh, He had 58 yards on the ground and he ran in for a touchdown. Jared Goff couldn't really get to his receivers like he wanted to. Reynolds was the lead man with 44. LaPorta had 23 yards. Amaral, St. Brown only had 21 on three receptions. They were really doing a number on him, um, St. Brown that is, because they wanted to make sure that he didn't get the ball because everybody knows that's the Lions' go-to guy in crunch time. Gibbs and Montgomery both put up 66 yards apiece with uh, Gibbs adding a touchdown to that. But again, the Lions did not do what they needed to do. And now you're in a situation where you have to pull up your big boy pants. And if you want to make a statement this year, then you got to do what you got to do. So, but again, I'm, I'm I'm not tripping on the Lions. I think they're still fine. I'm not a prisoner of the moment. Regardless of what they do this season, this season is a win. I don't care what you're talking about. Moving forward, this is how you capitalize. You got to get better on the defensive side, on the edge rushing side, right? You got to be able to capitalize on getting to the quarterback. You got to be able to capitalize on stopping a run in your secondary. You have to tighten up on the secondary. But The win is a win. They will still be fine. Nevertheless, I like the Lions. I think they'll be fine. I love what they say. The the script has been written. If the script has been written, the writers are cooking up a hell of a script right now because I can't wait to see what week 15 has in store for the NFL. Never in a million years that I think it would come. It will be this type of a playoff race right now. But again, here we are. We'll see how it all plays out. And I got... I got a lot of games we'll get into, but we'll save that for another show. This is The Stephen Hayes Show. Appreciate you for listening. I'm out.